Hi, this is Maria Toso. And today I would love to talk to you about emotional triggers and how they show up in the body and what can you do. If you have experienced um, a typical triggering event and it's already manifesting in the body, you might feel your breath has gotten tight, your chest might feel tight, your belly might hurt, maybe you're breathing a little faster, your pulse is up, and you just have all these physical manifestations of being triggered. And at that point, you are really not yourself. And that's really important to recognize that the more rational part of you, the more adult you, has been pushed a little bit into the background. And you are, in Eckhart Tolle's words, um, really impacted by what he names the pain body. And in yoga, we would call it that the samskaras, the wounds, the habits uh, from a wound itself are now arising and kind of taking over. And this is, of course, where we can end up saying and doing things that are deeply embarrassing and that we didn't really mean, where we're lashing out in a highly... Um, self-protective way. Um, in that moment, we really believe that the offender, the other person who has done, said, um, uttered, whatever it is that, that set that trigger off, is truly responsible. And we want to fix that on the outside. Now, this is the moment when it's really important to take some space. And that's often not the first impulse that we have. The first impulse may be to reach out to the person that we think should just change so that we can feel better. And walking away may be the hardest thing to do. But if in that moment we can excuse ourselves and some little sensible part of us can say, I am not fully myself now, my body is triggered. There is adrenaline, there's cortisol in my body. You might uh, know the expression to be in fight or flight, um, that you're kind of cooking on the inside. And at that point, the best thing you can possibly do is do nothing. Um, and by that, I mean, walk away, take some space and really just be with yourself. Because from that state of mind, there will be nothing productive achieved. You might spew a lot and you might even succeed in sort of co-triggering your partner who very likely, if you're attracted to each other, has sort of mirroring um, wounds that are also latently just waiting to be triggered by you. And your very reaction may be exactly what triggers the other person. And then you've got the spiral of two people um, that are really just lashing out and nothing real is being achieved. So if you can be wise enough at that point to take a deep breath and say, I am not in, in a sound frame of mind to have any kind of discussion, I really need space and the other person very likely needs space too. So if at that point you can walk away, take some space and really be with yourself. And you might not initially be ready to drop into this painful, triggered, wounded vibration that is in your body. You might simply need to calm yourself, to lay down, to let your hands rest on your belly, 
to become connected to your breath. Um, I've talked previously about how your true nature is spirit, purusha, we would say in yoga, is the pure essence, the divine essence that is giving life to your body. So you're trying to reconnect to that. So you're less identified with this temporary storm that's moving through your physical experience because your energy field has been activated. Those darker grooves of your energy field have been activated. And if you can reconnect to your breath and just know with some small part of you that this too shall pass as horrible as it might feel in the body right then and there, that there is, um, there is another side. There is coming through this. And uh, words that have helped me in that situation is this too shall pass, that that truly is the case. This too shall pass. And that you can then do all the most self-caring things you know. And that isn't having a cocktail or a big bowl of ice cream. That's really just a way of numbing this place within. If you are able to do the self-caring things of being really present and nurturing to yourself, right? So maybe it's a warm bath. Maybe it's massaging your own body with oil. Maybe it's going for a walk. If weather conditions are such that you can get yourself outside, just the bilateral stimulation of the body of going for a brisk walk can shift things a little bit. And then when there is a little more calm and the physical experience of the trigger is less intense, that's when you can drop in to a heal what's hurts meditation or felt sense meditation where you sit quietly and you really allow yourself to be present to that something in you that is hurting and aching and uh, wanting to lash out. And that's a process of mm, in one way separating out a little bit from what's hurting but also embracing and loving what's hurting. So in other words, you're not allowing yourself to completely drown in that feeling, but you're also not um, banning that feeling as this terrible feeling that isn't me that just needs to go away because it feels horrible. You could use words like, there's something in me that feels this. And then that something in you that feels that can be approached by this awareness within you. And now you're starting to fall a little bit more back into your truer self, your Purusha, the part of you that is eternal and the deep awareness and presence that um, has the capacity to heal. And it's, it's really not so different from if you're sad and you have a, a friend who rather than commiserate with you and just sort of drive you deeper into your sad story just is there I love you I know you're hurting and I love you and I'm right here and I'm not going anywhere so that's more the energy a very mature loving energy Mm. and I kind of warn you against calling up the kind of friend that would simply you know, feel really sorry for you. And because feeling sorry for somebody is a little different from having empathy. Um, Feeling sorry for can often be expressed more as almost deepening 
this victim story that yes this other person has done this horrendous thing to you and you're right to lash out or fire this person um that's really just supporting the pain body in what the pain body's already up to which is this immense outer drama right but if the the friend that you might connect with if that's how you choose to to do it is able to or you're able to do this for someone else to say I'm right here I know you're in pain I know you're hurting and I can't judge what happened because I wasn't there I don't fully understand everything that happened but I know that you're hurting and I know I'm not going anywhere you're not alone so that's a very different way of witnessing somebody and and really being there for somebody and then you have to gauge a little bit in yourself are you ready to be challenged on your story about what just happened right so in the beginning you might simply hold that place and allow that place to feel wildly sad or angry or jealous or um horrified or whatever those feelings are um you simply stay with them to feel them when you have calmed down enough and when that place in you that feels that that facet of you that aspect of you that wound within you that feels that has felt heard and seen and held then you can start communicating with the more rational part of yourself and you can start to um, question the thoughts and the feelings a little bit but don't be too quick to do that first you want to just hold the sadness yeah so if for example a, a small child is scared in his or her crib because they're you know they saw a monster outside the window and they're just shaking with fear you don't have to explain to the child that it was just a branch um slamming against the window just initially the child is just sobbing and scared and you're just there and that is the healing presence you're there you're not going anywhere and you're this little kid is safe now because you are hearing them and you're letting them explain how the monster was reaching with their hands on the window and scratching with their claws on the window and you could see it and, and all of that so initially it's just calming that child down and then once there's that <gasps> the child has now calmed down enough then you might walk over to the window and you might show the child wow have you seen that tree outside isn't that interesting and and the wind is pushing the branches against the window and and look at the little twigs that are kind of scraping against the window doesn't that just sound like fingernails on the window but look here and then the child is maybe ready to hear and see another perspective which is really what it is right because in that child's experience there is a dark arm that was reaching on the window and knocking on the window and scratching on the window and that was as real as though there really had been a monster so the point is there's kind of a two-phase approach that you must have to yourself depending on how early you catch a trigger if it's already a full-blown 
um, shall we say, a storm inside with all the physical symptoms of your heart rate and your breath and your belly and your chest and wherever it's showing up in your body, but it's really a bodily felt sensation. At that point, there's probably not, um, it's probably not the opportune moment to start looking at whether there was some misinterpretation or whether there was a you know, a story that was um, sort of embellished internally um, to make it more hurtful or what have you. And once you've calmed yourself down, then you might go through a little bit of an inquiry. But this is not until you have, you've, you've sort of been there for yourself. And you, maybe a friend has been there for you. Maybe even the offending person who said or did that thing that upset you has managed to stay unco-triggered. In other words, the other person has managed to stay present and just kind of witness that you have become triggered but isn't also triggered. And then that person could even be the one who kind of holds their arm around you and is like, I'm here and I'm not going anywhere and I know that this is a terrible feeling inside. Um, but at that point, there might come a time when you start to mm, go through what happened. Yeah. And that can actually be helpful to get a little bit inquisitive about and even get a pen and paper out and look at what are the circumstances, like what actually happened. And that's, that's the facts. Like that isn't um, a story that is um, full of subjective opinions um it's it's an actual the actual facts of something that happened so for example um i had a student who was telling me a story about um a call she had received in which this person was taking her for an idiot and the the the, the part of the story that was he's taking me for an idiot obviously isn't a fact because we don't really know that unless he said out loud, oh, by the way, I'm taking you for an idiot, then that is a story. That's an interpretation. So we have to go back and say, okay, but what are the facts? Okay, this person called and here's what he was requesting. And then the person who was telling me the story said, well, I, I knew he was lying and he was clearly taking me for an idiot. Now, the he's taking me for an idiot it's not a fact. That's a story, right? That's an interpretation of whatever happened on the sort of fact level. And that's really interesting because that is where we can go in and, and look at that a little more closely. He's taking me for an idiot. And when I asked her, well, is there anywhere else in your life where you have the sense that someone is taking me for an idiot? Her face kind of dropped because that was actually a story that often came in as um, almost like looking through a lens. And that's, that's when we find that sacred roadmap into the, the, the part of the energy field of the body where the wound is. Right? So she can trace that feeling into her body. Ugh, I get this tight knot in my stomach and he's taking me for an idiot. And then she can be with that feeling in the body. And she can very likely, and she did, trace it to 
other examples, other times in her life when she has felt like somebody was sort of taking her for an idiot and trying to cheat her. And all of a sudden, she was able to see that whether he actually took her for an idiot or not, she doesn't actually know. But she knows that that's how she felt because that is part of her lens. So if you think of your the energy field of the body, the chitta is the heart-mind, is what we call it in yoga, and that can be more or less polluted with different um, thought patterns and, and deeper grooves. We call those samskaras. And that becomes the lens through which we view the world and experience the world. So she was looking through this lens that was, he probably thinks I'm an idiot. And very likely, and she agreed, there was other times when she would interpret something that way. So she could come up with other circumstances in her life where that was what she thought was happening. And there was really no evidence that that is what was happening. But the feeling inside of her that this person or that person was taking her for an idiot was just as real as though somebody had said straight to her face, I'm taking you for an idiot. So that's really back to the child in the crib. The, the child's experience of the tree that's knocking on the window is just as real as though there really had been a monster outside. The bodily felt feeling is no different until the child has realized that that isn't so but there's there's some steps to get there and the fear that's experienced is very real and that needs presence and love consoling empathy right and that doesn't mean indulging a part of us that sort of ended up believing in a story that was planted somewhere inside of us at some point but we still have empathy for that experience. There is a, a, a story that um, I've heard several times from several teachers, so I don't really know who to attribute it to, but it's a story of a man walking into a dark room and over in the corner is a coiled up snake. And this is a part of the world where there are you know, very terrible snakes that come into people's houses and they, they coil up and then they get ready to attack you when you're sleeping or whatever. I don't know if snakes would ever really do this. But this is the story. He walks in and there's a coiled up snake in the corner. And he goes completely white. He gets stiff. His breath gets tight. And he, the hair goes up on the back of his neck. And, and he's just ready to look for something to defend himself. And so his whole body's in reaction, right? Fight and flight. Just classic nervous system reaction. And then someone else comes in and flicks on the light, and lo and behold, what he thought was a coiled-up snake was, in fact, some coiled-up rope. So there was no real fear. But he had possibly heard some stories of coiled-up snakes, or maybe that actually happened on a frequent basis in this part of the world. So it, was, it very likely could have happened. And his bodily reaction was just as... Um, visceral as though there actually had been a snake. So what would you do if you walked in and there's somebody shaking and trembling uh, at the side of this coiled up rope? You don't necessarily go straight to describing to him how crazy he is that he is shaking and trembling, right? You might hold him. You might sit down with him. You might give him a chamomile tea. You might sort of hold his hand until he his breath is normalizing and he's slowly calming down. And then 
you know, you might even have a good laugh about the fact that there was coiled up rope in the corner and it wasn't a snake. But you want to really give the part of the body that has reacted, you want to give that some real attention, some real love, some real compassion before you start working on whether it was quote-unquote reasonable that the... um that the body got so upset. And that's how we slowly can heal those places. And every time we're triggered, it's this sacred opportunity to trace back into the energy field of the body where there's sort of a knot that's acting up, right? And there can be, it can be a brand new knot. Maybe I would also freak out if I saw a coiled up piece of rope or maybe I would just think it was rope um, but there are brand new things that happen but most often those triggers are when we um, re-experience something similar to something we've experienced often many times before and often we can trace it way back to a time when we were not even seven years old when we're less than seven years old we're like sponges. There's very little capacity for us to um, separate out what's true and what's not true. And we're also incredibly intuitive at that age. We don't have all our kind of worldly barriers up yet. So whatever our parents are going through, that will be experienced in our energy field almost as though it's happening to us. And it's really hard for a very small child to separate itself out from any strong emotions experienced by the adults around them. So it's almost like you're getting imprinted. And there is almost like a defenselessness to that. In addition to that, in yoga, we would say you may well come in with some energetic patterns as well. Um, And that's where you talk about the concept of reincarnation, that you may in fact have experienced things in a previous lifetime that has um, embedded itself in your chitta, in your energy field, and now that's also latently in there. So you may up having a, end up having a reaction to something that your siblings wouldn't have a reaction to, even though they grew up in the same household. I remember I have um, three little nieces in Denmark, and one of them, even if she saw a flame or just blowing out a candle or burning some incense, anything that had to do with fire, she would get incredibly scared. And you could speculate that she had experienced some kind of fire situation in a former life for her to come in with that much fear around something where there had never really been a traumatizing event in this current lifetime. But it almost doesn't matter if something is from a former lifetime or this lifetime and and exactly how far back we can trace it. It can be comforting to understand that we were sort of imprinted in our families And there might be some forgiveness of the people who imprinted us because they didn't know better or they were struggling themselves. Um, But at the end of the day, this is the material we have to work with. This is who we are. This is the chitta, the energy field that we are alive with. And the sacred work of being human in many ways is really to go deep inside when we're triggered from the outside, not have some drama and battle on the outside, but but drop deeply in to where that is felt in the body and being with that and allowing that to slowly soften because you're here. You're not 
running away from that part of yourself. That's really what meditation is too. It's not rising above these bodily sensations of fear and anguish. In many ways, it's really having the courage to fully be with them and watch them transform in the light of your presence in a way they can't when you run away, whether you run away by you know, ingesting something or drinking something that will help you not feel that or just distracting yourself in some other way. It, it's really the opposite. Pema Chodram talks about how we often have the image of a mountain. We're climbing a mountain on our spiritual path, you know, so we're sort of ascending and we're getting up to the peak. And But she says it's really the opposite. It's sort of like a reverse mountain, that the real journey is not up and out. It's really in and in and in. Like you're here to truly spiritualize, love, be present to all of what is in the energy field of the body, all the murky, shameful, darkest stuff. You're here to imbue and penetrate that with your loving light. So that's really the journey. And you can do that. That's, that's work that you can take on on your own. But it's also very much work that belongs in the vehicle, if you will, the vessel of a romantic relationship, of a marriage. Um, because this is where we experience the deepest triggers. And if we can understand that that is bound to happen with this other person, instead of allowing that to kind of blow things up and become really intense, we could really be part of that being present. So we're not just present to ourselves, even our partner is present to us, with us. And we can do that same thing for the other partner. And it's like we end up healing each other gradually. But first we have to shine the light on those places that hurt before we can even know how deeply they're in need of healing. So that's all I got for you today. I encourage you to go to my website, www.mariatoso.com. And if you go to the section called Heal What Hurts, it's actually mariatoza.com slash heal what hurts all one word you'll find a link to a meditation that will help you drop into these places in the body and you can start doing some of this work today on your own you can play this meditation with your partner do it together or even in a small group and and um see what happens now i'd love to hear from you www.mariatoso.com thank you